Welcome back to Catfish Lose, our home for OMN's Coffee Shop Conversations. I'm Tom D'Antoni. With me today is an unusual gentleman, even for a musician. Not only has he been a drummer on the Portland scene for a long time, but he's also a mafia historian. What? Yeah. Usually you think of mafia music as stuff uh, like the theme from The Godfather or Louis Prima or Jerry Vale. But in addition to his work on the National Crime Syndicate web magazine and appearances on national TV, he writes songs about the mafia. How about that? Let's meet Casey McBride. Casey, welcome to Catfish Lose. Hey, thanks for having me, Tom. This is, uh, I used to say, was our new home, but it's not as new as it used to be. Right. Yeah, we're, we're a month or so in, and um, happy to be here. I'm glad you could be here, too. Well, it's my pleasure. Uh, you're a strange guy. Let me put it another way. You may not be a strange guy at all, but the combination of the things that you do are kind of strange. Right. Um, uh Okay, were you a musician first? Yeah, I've been a musician for about 40 years. So, okay, um, you're a drummer. I'm a drummer, yeah, kind yeah. of like a side man, you uh-huh. know, drummer for hire, session guy. Yeah. That's mainly what I do. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, not a songwriter generally. Uh-huh. Uh, so, this little project I just did, this is unusual for me, but, uh, yeah. you know, when, when lightning strikes, I figured uh, I had this little group of songs, but might as well try to do something with it. So,. So when when did you um, when did your interest in 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 the mafia uh, develop <laughs> out out of just being interested like everybody else <laughs> yeah. into like what do you, what you do now? Um, you, 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 I know you call yourself a mafia historian. Yeah, kind yeah. of a a half-assed mafia historian. Let's <laughs> say that. Uh, um, like I said, I'm not really a, a journalist or anything like that by trait. Um, but you know. Through the music, uh, I had a drum teacher years ago here in Portland, a guy named Don Worth Sr., who um, he was from kind of the big band era, and he used to tell me you know, great stories about working in the clubs uh-huh. and things in those days. And, uh, you know, the combination of music and, and mob history, they seem kind of, you know, like they don't go together. But really, you know, all the mobsters own the clubs and a lot of that entertainment business. And so, the labels. Yeah, the labels. And everything. There's, yeah, there's, and the disc jockeys. Exactly. There's so yes. many stories of, yeah. you know, from Frank Sinatra to right. the Four Seasons and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, like you're saying, like a lot of people, I've always just been interested in the movies and the books. Yeah. But um, yeah. I kind of needed a hobby from my hobby, which at one time was music and then at some point uh-huh. that became kind of more of like a, a job and yeah. you know when that happens it's yeah. not yeah. it's not the same um so i just kind of needed something else to do to occupy my time and i after watching the sopranos uh, you know i, I love uh-huh. that show like a lot of people and right. i decided to buy a book on the the real history of it and learn a little bit more about it uh-huh. and i luckily i picked one called the five families by a guy named selman rab and oh yeah it ended up I didn't know it at the time, but that's kind of like the Sergeant Pepper of, of mob books, really. Like if <laughs> if somebody wanted to be interested, you know, if it's interested in this history and wanted to learn a good overview of it, that would be the book. I think uh-huh. most guys that are in into this, he's would on every recommend. one of the mob shows. He, he sure is, yeah, and for <laughs> good reason. Um, you know, and I found out just a while ago he was actually the inspiration for Kojak. A lot of his writings back really? in the early day. That's where wow. that that character came from so i thought that was neat um, but it wasn't him was it? It, it was kind of based on his writings and some well, of his, his writings and but some not of him his, yeah but some of okay. his experiences as like a journalist in new york and wow. stuff you know dealing with some of these guys and because um, it's hard for me to to 
imagine him saying, who loves you, baby? Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, when you see a picture of Telly Savalas and you see yeah. a picture of Selwyn Rabb, I mean, you see, you know what he looks like. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, But, you know, that book, once I read it, uh, it made me realize, like, movies like The Godfather and The Sopranos, which, you know, generally the, the, one of the reasons you, you get interested in them is the characters and the writing is so good. But when you start learning a little bit about the real history, you start to realize a lot of those stories, they just changed the names. I mean, those stories really happen right. in, in some right. form. and. Right. From there, it just kind of snowballed. You know, I, I had no idea I would get this far with it when I, uh-huh. when I first read that book. And uh-huh. I think my wife still thinks it's a phase that I'm going to go through <laughs> and get out of. But it's been about it's been about eight years now. So, it, of course, except for the one line that everybody quotes and everybody says that it was actually written by Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> You know, uh, make him a deal, uh, right? An offer you can't refuse, right. right? That wasn't really a mafia line. No, no. There's a lot of that stuff that, yeah. I, uh, you know, a lot of the things that you hear, like the nicknames and uh, and different areas of it. A lot of that's made up by journalists and stuff, and uh-huh. that's why it stuck. You know, uh-huh. those guys yeah. were creative and and good writers. A yeah, lot of yeah. these guys in the yeah. early days, and so <laughs> that stuff. You know, I, I found doing this i learned uh the hard way not being a journalist like i said uh i didn't really realize the power of like a printed word like once you write something down if you act like you're an authority on authority on it people will believe that you're an authority on it and, you right. know and they'll take your word for it you yes. know not everybody but most people right. just kind of do so you got to be careful with yeah that, yeah i found yeah. out so. <laughs> and so now you have combined the two <laughs> yeah <laughs> um it's weird i i was uh I was on tour one time, and uh, this was about a year and a half ago. And you, when you're, you know, on a tour, I think people think it's it's real exciting, but mo- it's pretty boring. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot of times you're just sitting around doing nothing. And right. l- luckily, uh, one of the other musicians had a mandolin sitting around. And um, I've been listening to a lot of Mark Knopfler at the time, and I just mm-hmm. love the way he tells historical stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was a journalist before he was Mark Knopfler, really. Uh, and I, when you look at his lyrics, you can kind of see that he can take a really kind of long seemingly boring story and make an interesting short song out of it he's really good at that um mm-hmm. and i wanted to try to write a song like that and i ended up writing this song about prohibition called better than that and like i said i don't usually write songs so when yeah. i actually did finish it i was surprised that i'd written a song and i, I kind of <laughs> liked it i you know came out all right um and a few months later i got asked to be a, a, a moderator uh like a panel moderator at this 2018 mob world summit in las vegas which is what goes on there it's just like a, a convention of you know is it, is it, is it, is it, is it like <laughs> is it like mob con like comic con in a way it's a lot of mob authors um a lot of ex-mob cops you know that have books documentaries yeah. things like that yeah, yeah. um they speak uh couple ex-mobsters who have books and you know movie deals that kind of thing um and we you know we were all gathered and everybody else there had something to to sell or to peddle they had done something and i was really the only one there that didn't have anything that i'd done except stuff online you know um and i was thinking you know what can i offer like in this kind of field that would be a little different and um Uh I got the idea i thought i could do a a compilation album of different songs that might have been about the mob i'd some other friends and some other people usually like more in the hip-hop area uh, you know they write a lot about that kind of stuff and I thought maybe I could put together like a compilation album and and, and do something with that Um, but then a couple months later I ended up I had a a bunch of songs myself they kept coming uh, which is (laughs) again it's unusual for me so um, I decided well you know I've got enough I can just do my own now and uh, so I've written eight songs each one's about a real character in mob history. Uh-huh. Um, 
they're all gangsters except for one. One is actually a, a mob cop named Joe Petrosino. I wrote a song about him. Uh-huh. Um, he's a fascinating character. He's a good guy? He's a good guy. He was, okay. he was really like in a, a lot of people I would consider him the first mob cop ever. Okay. He wasn't the famous cops that were in the mob. No, 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 okay. no. Those, uh, right. those two guys, they were the bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> right. I always say there's, there's good guys, there's bad guys, there's good bad guys, there's <laughs> bad good guys, and then there's really bad bad guys. And, <laughs> but uh, Joe Petrozino, he was the first Italian in the, the NYPD, and uh-huh. he, was, he was actually too short to, to get in. They had to give him a waiver wow. to, to let him in, and it was the best decision they, they ever made. But <laughs> he actually, he was, he's the only officer to ever be gunned down in the line of duty overseas with NYPD, and it was today in 1909. So today's the day that he was actually assassinated. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. Huh. So I, I had to write a song about him. I think he's really a fascinating character, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I had to have something for a good guys in there, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and but, so you, you've recorded these. I've recorded three of them are in the bag. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to release one at a show I'm going to do at Al's Den on the 25th of March. Um <laughs> That, that was three can keep a secret about Carlos Marcello from down New Orleans. And you, okay, let me ask you a question here. You bet. How did he pronounce his name? Marcello. Yes. Is okay, the fine, real fine. The, the right pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. So because we got we have we have Italian musicians here in Portland that pronounce it pronounce their names. You know, like there's Paul Mazzio, uh-huh. the trumpet player, uh, and, uh, with two Z's, and then there's. Peter Piazza yep. with two Z's, and he pronounces it Piazza, and Paul pronounces it Mazzio. I guess it all depends on what your grandparents did. It does, and you know, I've been interviewed a couple times about this kind of thing, and uh, generally I'm reading about it, or I'm yeah. watching a video about it, and then when yeah. I have to start pronouncing some of these names, I slaughter them <laughs> so bad. You know, I'm, I'm not being of Italian, yeah, I don't yeah. really... Uh, speak Italian, and I, man, I, I really slaughter some of these names. Some of yeah. them are hard for me to pronounce, but yeah, uh, yeah, it was yeah. his real pronunciation was Marcello. That's yeah, what I've been yeah, told. Uh, um, I, I'm not talking. I, I told you I wasn't going to talk any, any about my, my past, and, 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 and I was not in the mob, okay? right? But there was a very, very famous songwriter from New York whose management was mobbed up. And I actually bought my favorite car of all time, a 73 <laughs> T-Bird from this guy at a little um, a little used car lot, which was obviously a front. Right, yeah. <laughs> but that's why the car was so cheap. And um, uh, 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 and he was he was part of the Marcello thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> They're everywhere. Um, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people realize that New Orleans is really where it started in America. Everybody mm-hmm. kind of just, uh, you know, assumes where that everything New, started. New, yeah. New York. They just <laughs> think that's, you know, that's where it's really associated with in Chicago. Right. But right. the original uh, families and stuff came out of New Orleans. And Marcello was uh, he's not as well known as some of the other guys, like a lot of the Chicago guys and stuff. But his right. power in the underworld was you know, he was one of the top guys of all yeah. time. He, yeah. Not only was he very powerful, but he had a really long reign. You know, nobody messed with him down there. He yeah. was the, 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 the man for decades, really. So. Yeah. Um, I, was, I read uh, Pete Fountain's um, autobiography one time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, uh, of course, he was from New Orleans. And a great, great uh, cl- a clarinet player. Right. And... Uh, he told the story of the first time he got a big job on a on a uh, um, on a steamboat, going up and down the Mississippi, was sponsored by the biggest um, uh, fruit guy 
in New Orleans, <clears throat> whose name was D'Antoni. <laughs> <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, I have a picture of myself standing next to a grave, one of the above-ground graves in New Orleans next to a D'Antoni. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. That, uh, you know, I got to go down there uh, about a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. or it might be two years, I guess now, uh, and... Uh, Got two tours, one by a, a friend of mine who's who's a real expert just on that stuff down there. Took me all mm-hmm. around. And mm-hmm. then um, the next day, uh, the grandson of a guy, that uh, he's kind of a legend in New Orleans. His name was Jim Moran, Diamond mm-hmm. Jim Moran. That's what they used to call him. Mm-hmm. And he was a restaurant tour and, and in with all those guys and mm-hmm. with the slot machines and stuff. But uh, uh, he t- got, you know, he took me around because his family used to own a lot of these places, like the old Absinthe Palace and stuff. And I yeah. got to go upstairs yeah. and... Yeah. See lots of different things that you know I wouldn't have had a chance to see if I'd just gone on my own. So, but I fell in love with that town, mm-hmm. you know. Just uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The music and the history. Most of those towns that have a like a big mob history are also very connected with music, like Kansas City, Chicago, sure. New York, New sure, Orleans, sure. And, and it's all like we said because of the clubs. You know, they were big music towns. Right. So, well, American music came out of New Orleans. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, Sorry, I still have this bug a little bit. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> People who listen to my radio show are uh, tired of hearing about it, but that's uh, what are you going to do? Um, so the irony, of course, is that your band is playing at one of the most famous mob joints in Portland. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, which you don't really associate Portland with that, you know. But like you were saying earlier before we started the interview, it was a real open town. You know, there was yeah. a lot of... A lot yeah. of a lot of corruption and stuff in this town. But, um, yeah, our main guy, uh, back in what I kind of consider, I guess, the golden era of that, you know, uh-huh. it was 40s and 50s when, yeah. when you could really still be that corrupt and, and, and get away with it. It's harder to do these days. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, it was a guy named Al Winter, and uh, he's a fascinating guy. The more mm-hmm. I found out about him, um, you know, he's, he's a bit different. He wasn't a, a street thug. He mm-hmm. was actually a lawyer. You know, he'd passed the bar, and he'd come from a, a real well-to-do family, and he was very politically connected. But uh, mm-hmm. for some reason, he just seemed to be one of those guys that had it in his, the blood. That he liked to do the gambling, and he controlled all the, the racing wires, and yeah. later went on to Vegas and made the, the Sahara. You know, he was one of the top guys in, in mm-hmm. Vegas. And uh, mm-hmm. But he uh, owls in through McMinimins, if anybody's ever been down there. I don't know. If people really realize what it was but if you look at a lot of the pictures and the history on the wall there's some great stuff about him on yeah. there and stuff yeah. so yeah. i came kind of fascinated with him uh one of the uh one of the first people that i brought on board when i started oregon music news was a great great writer named jack berry mm-hmm. who was a great music writer but he was a he at one point uh he reviewed movies and music and theater and everything in the world for the oregonian way back in the 50s and 60s. But he knew a lot about the history of, of that place. Right. And um, he always used to, he used to like to, to tell me that the most, the, the, the people with the most respect of the customers in there were always the safe crackers. (laughs) (laughs) The specialists, you know, it's the guys you need. They're hard to find. (laughs) It's like finding a good drummer, I guess, you know, yes. or, or an accordion player. You find those those hard to find guys. You get them, and you you got to treat them right, you know, you have them around. But well, I mean, I guess you know, having the ability to open a safe, yeah, is is you have to have more brains than just to shoot somebody. You do, you do. <laughs> and, you know, those are always the guys that in this 
kind of history, there's there tend to be uh, people who get interested in, in particular things, uh, particular cities, particular families. Yeah. Um, but also, like for me, I'm more interested generally in first mob cops. I, I just think they're mm-hmm. they're story is just as fascinating they don't usually get as much press yeah, but um, yeah, yeah. but also when it comes to the actual underworld side i'm kind of more fascinated by the guys who are more political fixers uh-huh. and, and the less uh-huh. they're less violent you know they're they're certainly yeah you yeah. know criminals i'm not you know trying yeah. to make them sound like they aren't but they they deal more in the upper world than the underworld is and, that what you like about frank Costello? yeah that's you know what i found out yeah what i found fascinating <laughs> with him you know he, mm-hmm. he wasn't a guy that was prone to violence. He was more into diplomacy if he could. You know, he realized mm-hmm. it was good for business. It was good for everybody. But uh-huh. he was living in a world where, you know, most people, it's you, you grab what you can get any way you can. So he was treading water, you know, in a, a pretty rough waters. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. the fact that he um, lived to be, you know, in his 80s and, and didn't end up in jail like most of these guys or dead, it, it's pretty fascinating you know he lived yeah. a long time yeah. so i i know that that you you uh you hold the opinion that uh the godfather was based on frank costello right partly oh just partly partly yeah okay, yeah fine. yeah yeah did puzo say that um you know in a way yeah he he did a lot of studying uh with a, a dealer in vegas over a couple of weeks that he was there at one point and he mm-hmm. learned a lot about like the history of vegas mm-hmm. uh through this guy and and the history of that that's basically Frank Costello. He was the the big boss at that time. Yeah. Um Bugsy Siegel is always the name that gets associated with that. Right. But um you know, kinda like Meyer Lansky who who was a really big player, but they they were Jewish. They weren't actually part of the mob. They were right. associated with him certainly, yeah. but they weren't what people would consider like a made guy. Yeah. Um yeah. well you couldn't be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um you know, Frank Costello was the boss during those years. Lucky Luciano had been deported, was overseas, yeah. and he was the guy running yeah. it. And he was a great gambler and slot machine, mm-hmm. you know, tycoon. So he was mm-hmm. one of the biggest. Um, so he had a lot to do with that. And so a lot of that history that that Puzo learned was that. And a lot of those stories, like the the horsehead story, it's been changed. Frank Costello was involved with that, but there was no horsehead. It was uh, to get uh, Frank Sinatra (laughs) apart, and from here to eternity, he just made Mm -hmm. a phone call, and that's how he got it. But that's kind of where that story came out of. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The voice is based off of Frank Costello when he was in the Kefauver hearings. It was very famous in the day. Uh He was on television, and they wouldn't show his face. They only showed his hands, and you only heard this raspy voice that Uh he had. Um, and Marlon Brando would watch that like everybody else at the time, and yeah. that's kind of where he got the voice from. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a couple other stories in there, too, like the the one of Frank Sinatra was a very famous story about you know getting out of Tommy Dorsey's band, uh, his contract, and yeah. Willie Moretti put a gun in his mouth, they say, and, uh-huh. and got him bought uh-huh. out of his contract for a dollar. But uh, <laughs> Willie Moretti was Frank Costello's... I wouldn't say he was his underboss, but he was his kind of right hand muscle guy in a yeah. lot of ways. And yeah. so yeah. Frank was really the the man back in those days. You know, uh-huh. he owned the Copa and <laughs> just all sorts of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Um. So, well, the interesting one of the interesting things I've, that, that 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 I've discovered over the years is how much the Godfather influenced the behavior of the mob guys. Yeah, that they didn't act so much like that until the movie came out you know it's true it it goes back to what we were talking about earlier too like a lot of the press starts a lot of this stuff that we become associated with the mob and then life starts to imitate 
that you know yeah, it's yeah. imitating the art and there's a lot of um mob cops that uh, i've been interested in one guy joe coffee in particular he's mm-hmm. if you watch any of these documentaries he's just like selwyn rap he's on all of these um he's passed away since but you know he's on tons but as a, a, a mob copy, and he said he started busting these guys after the Godfather, and then he started to notice the change too. It's like every time they would raid a place or something, they all had the book, they had the movies. These guys would watch it over <laughs> and over, and it really, it, it really did start to you know, to kind of play into the real life behavior of these guys. Well, I understand that. I mean, I'm you know, I, I really do understand that, uh, and 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 it helped me understand hip hop because. I was never in the mob, mm-hmm. anything else like that, you know. Um, but there was, a, and and they were horrible people. Yeah, they were murderers and just rapists and Can't just the that. worst of humanity. Yeah, right. But I felt a, I felt a connection. Yeah, you know, and I didn't want to, but there was, you know. They were Sicilians. They were the people who were, you know, could have been my my grandmother's next door neighbor. Sure, yeah, you know, and so uh, so I, I, you know, it really did help me understand um, the attraction of hip hop to to black folks. Yeah, it's um, in this, you know, going back to kind of the music side, what we were talking about. Uh, you know, I grew up listening. to My dad. Um, he was actually born in Folsom Prison, which I, I thought oh. that was family lore for the longest time, but it's actually true. In, in wow. 1927, it was the closest medical facility. So they took my grandmother there, and he was born <laughs> in Folsom Prison. It's actually on his birth certificate. And uh, But he's a cowboy, always grew up listening to Johnny Cash and Merle mm-hmm. Haggard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, And all those songs are about outlaws and gunfights yeah. and yeah, lawmen yeah. and Marty Robbins and things. Um, and so there's there's been a long kind of tradition of that in music, and, and nowadays it, it, most of that kind of the, the gangster stories and stuff you do you find it in hip hop and kind of stuff. Yeah. So they kind of are carrying on that torch. It seems these days. Well, there's 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 no line in any mob movie as chilling as I shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> and it's a. It's a hit song. It's a popular yeah. song too. You know, it, yeah. it, it goes back to what you're saying. Like, what I don't know what it is that makes us um, law-abiding citizens fascinated or with that. Uh, I mean, look, there's Chicago MP or you know, Chicago PD, New York PD. There all these yeah. shows. It, it's yeah. never going to stop. There's new mob right. movies coming right. out every day, and it just doesn't seem to go away. You know. Um, so who's in your band? Well, actually, me. Yeah. <laughs> On the recording, everything is me except my my buddy. He's been my partner in time. I call him mm-hmm. the bass player, Willie Jam, and we've been mm-hmm. a rhythm section since high school. So, you know. 40 years of we've been playing together for, yeah. for a long time. Wow. Uh, but all the other stuff on, on this album, I've, I've played so far myself. Uh-huh. Um, I was going to have some guest musicians on it, but I figured these are parts I kind of already know. It would just be faster and easier for me to do them, and, and so I ended up doing that. Um, and what about at Al's Den? Well, when I play live right now, what I, I do, I kind of have like a little one-man band show. I, have, really? uh, I do some percussion with my feet. I play <laughs> with a, the mando guitar, which is like a mandolin sized guitar (laughs) as the main instrument and i have the harmonica holder and then i sing and Uh so you know i try to do as much of it as i can by myself live and that's interesting yeah and eventually i'm hoping to you know i'll I'll get some other guys involved and have a a band um Uh it's not really a project that i i 
set out to to play all the time or to you know to make a series of albums this is kind of like a a one-off project that i want to do um Mm -hmm. once i get all the songs actually recorded i want to put it on vinyl and have just a nice you know collecting package that has little stories about the guys i've written about well it's so unusual because there's lots of collections of quote-unquote mob music but it's just the the songs that were in the movies it's the yeah and it's you know? the songs that the guys have come to like you know yeah. like the sinatras and the louis prima and things. jerry vale and all exactly. those guys yeah. You know? yeah yeah and there are it's funny because you know that was a kind of Monty. yeah that's kind of what sparked you know the idea of doing the compilation album originally was like there, uh-huh. there's a lot of those kind of things that are out there already but you know i wanted to write uh one of the goals i set out to do i don't know how successful i was or not but I wanted the songs to be to somebody who didn't know anything about these guys. Yeah. If, if you listen to the song, it was more like listening to Jim Croce or something. It, it's, uh-huh. it's just kind of an interesting little story. Uh, but then if you did want to learn more about the guy, if you go back and then look at the, the words, then you would see there's more to it. You know, some some real history that are that that's in there. But uh, I didn't want that to be the main thing. Like if you if you don't you're not interested in the mob. Hopefully you would still just like the song. <laughs> it's like uh-huh. a blues song, you know, uh, yeah. Outlaw Country or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, well, you got one of them on the radio. Yeah, I, thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was a real thrill. Um, like I said, I've actually been a fan of your radio show for quite a while. Oh, um, thanks. Since thanks. you were on Wednesdays during the day, I used oh, to yeah. catch it on the on the way home from work. Yeah, I was um, nothing but jazz. Yeah, um, yeah. I had a chance to meet you once at um, a party but i was playing all the time i never got to oh. actually get out and say hi it was at lisa lapine's one time uh, oh you know, rift in peace. yeah yeah she was great to me i mean she, she got was great me, to everybody yeah, she, there's not yeah. a musician that's right played here that wasn't involved you know right. owes her something so yes. yeah but that's uh, a great loss yeah it was it, really it was, was shocking too was, yeah yeah we all thought she was gonna get better yeah we all thought that nothing could could ever destroy lisa yeah Lepine. it uh yeah. It was a, you know, it was a big deal in the music community here. For oh sure. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so um, one man band. That's interesting. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, being a drummer, you know, you get good at multitasking with with different yeah, I guess limbs so. and stuff. I, yeah, yeah, um, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> the thing about the music, though, too, is um, when I. When I've written music in the past, I've done stuff for like podcasts and things like that, more like mm-hmm. soundtrack and, and a lot of these true crime podcasts. I've kind of carved out a niche. I do music for a lot of these guys uh-huh. that they know me. Um, but writing songs is a different thing, right. you know, to have right. a melody, a story. It's short and concise. Uh, and when I've tried to do it in the past, I was generally trying to be groundbreaking. And, you know, you want to make something new and, and exciting. Yeah. But with this yeah. project, really... I wasn't trying to break a bunch of new musical ground. It's it's pretty simple music. It's uh-huh. blues country based. It's yeah, a few yeah. chords, which yeah. I can play. You know, I'm not a virtuoso on guitar <laughs> being a drummer. But uh, it was more about the words anyway. So, the, you know, these songs were, they came a little easier because of that. Um, and they're, they're pretty easy to play live because of that, because they don't require a lot of yeah. fancy yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff. You know, well, them. you know, I want to end this by uh, playing the, the tune I played on the radio. Oh, excellent. So why don't you, why don't you talk about that? Well, um, it's called Three Can Keep a Secret, and it's about Carlos Marcello uh-huh. <laughs> down in New Orleans. Yeah. Um, and he, there's a, a real famous story that he apparently had a sign in his office that was the old Benjamin Franklin saying that said, Three can keep a secret if two of them are dead. And, <laughs> Wait um, a minute, Benjamin Franklin said th- that? That's what I've heard. I heard he was really? the original quote. But he, um, they, you know, Carlos Marcello is really associated with a lot of the lore of JFK and the assassination of that. There's all these conspiracy theories and things, but uh, one thing that did happen with him that was interesting, he, he kind of 
got deported <laughs> unofficially right. where uh, Robert Kennedy had some of his guys show up and, and pick him up and they took him to Guatemala and dropped him in the jungle <laughs> in his suit <laughs> and, and they left him there and he got back into the country and uh, allegedly said if you you know if you want to keep a dog from biting you chop off the t- the head you don't chop off the tail right and then shortly after that you know jfk was assassinated so wow. there's a lot of people who you know have conspiracy theories that he might have been involved yeah. um yeah. I, I i don't really know i don't have a strong opinion on that or anything but that did get into the song there's one of the lyrics that's part of his uh-huh. lore and uh-huh. wow um one other thing that i tried to do uh that i'll just add real quick um some of these songs i tried to make them kind of tributes to certain songwriters who've written uh-huh. songs like this in the past um and this one I tried to do like a CCR song because it was about New Orleans. It, the music didn't necessarily <laughs> come out that way, but I put a couple tributes in the words to John Fogarty. So if you listen uh-huh. to the song, there's three uh-huh. CCR song titles that are <laughs> woven into the lyrics in there. So that's how I kind of got that in there. But Wow. I wonder, wonder what he would have thought, not not Fogarty, but Marcello. I wonder what he would have thought if he'd heard this tune. <laughs> well, you know, um, I posted the demo about an hour after I made it on my iPad on uh, one of my little sites. Yeah. Um, and about an hour later, I got a message from a guy whose grandfather <laughs> used to work for him. Wow. And this guy had met uh, had met him. Yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, he's a comedian and musician now, a touring comedian musician. And he asked me uh-huh. if he could cover the song. He liked it. Wow. So he's... Uh, <laughs> It, it's actually here it, this month he's supposed to be finishing his album i haven't heard the cover <laughs> version of it but that's the first time anybody's ever wanted to cover you know one of my songs and he seemed to approve of it and he knew uh marcello a little bit so i thought that was that's amazing know, yeah <laughs> yeah talk about your that uh, your, your your website for for a little bit well um i i contribute to a website called national crime syndicate.com which is kind mm-hmm. of how i really started getting started at this um, uh-huh. they were just asking you know for contributors and i was the first one to kind of apply to that yeah that was just again you know it's like a hobby i didn't really expect much of it but it kind of snowballed into this thing i got going now um i started my own website and facebook page dedicated to the history of frank costello um yeah the facebook is uncle frank's place and the mm-hmm. website's frank costello history.com but mm-hmm. um through just starting that as a lark because i was interested in it um you know his family reached out to me i've become acquainted with lots of members of his family now um and just all i mean a bunch of stuff i never could have expected uh you you got yourself on national television i got on tv uh with selwyn rab you know for me in my world that's like being on a music documentary with paul mccartney really you know i mean that's (laughs) yeah yeah um, yeah yeah I didn't get to meet him. We weren't there at the same time that they shot, but you know, I still get to say, "Yeah, I've worked with Selwyn Rab now." And that was on the, that was on Costello. The, the, that was on. Yeah, it's on, a it's a show called The Shocking Truth, and they yeah. take uh, movies and they try to tell a little bit of the real life story behind it. And uh, they yeah. took The Godfather and told the the similarities to Frank Costello's real life. Um, yeah. When we filmed that, I'm sure Selwyn Rab did the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I went in there and I talked. There's a lot of other Godfathers that are in that yeah. story too but they they the edited version was just on Frank Costello so uh-huh. but that was fine yeah. with me I'm That was on the Reels That was on Reels Network Reels. and uh I got uh the Smithsonian Channel reached out to me and I was able to get them some uh never before seen like family footage of Frank Costello in really? New Orleans with Diamond Jim Moran and Phil Costell who were wow. other characters down there and they put it on American Color, which is a, a series they yeah, tell yeah. history through black and white footage that's been colorized. Yeah, and yeah. So that got out there. And then um, 
another an author, Tony DiStefano, who he's a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. Mm-hmm. Um, he wrote a book on Frank Costello that came out last year, and I got to help him with that in a in a way. Um, uh-huh. We got him a picture that's never really been published before of Frank Costello in New Orleans with Jim Moran and Meyer Lansky wow. at a table together, and it's, <laughs> that's really rare. You don't see pictures of of Frank and Meyer together, though they were very closely associated with each other. So. Uh-huh. You know, and all that was, it's all was just accidents, you know. So, I, like I yeah, said, I it's amazing the, that, that they allowed that picture to be taken. It, it, it is, yeah. Because, um, you know, Sonny would have picked up the camera and smashed it exactly. on the ground. Exactly. You know, that's the thing and about And then gave those. him some money. <laughs> it's hard to, it's a hard history just anyway because it's history. But it's a history of people who didn't want history, yeah. you know. That's right. the problem I find with uh, trying to find things about Al Winter. Except Joe Colombo. Yeah, exactly. But you saw what happened to him. <laughs> yeah. You know? And John Gotti, in a way, too. Yes, but, you know. indeed. But, you know, those guys are fascinating to me. You know, those are guys where we do learn some of the stuff about it. You know, they're not supposed to be loud and, and out in the public like right. that. But, you know, thankfully, there are guys that do that because that's how we learn about it. And yeah. same with, you know, ratting, ratting. Everybody's like, oh, rats, these guys and that. But that's how we've learned this history. Yeah. You know, those yeah. guys were yeah. trying to do the good thing. And they get kind of put in a over here in this this negative connotation. You know, they weren't great people to to begin with. But they're trying to do what you're supposed to do, <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. and bring that stuff down. Because corruption, you know, as we see, it's still around. And it's yeah. that's what really hurts, you know, the when, common people. When you see these guys... And then see who who plays them in movies. For instance, Henry Hill was a little rodent kind of yeah. kind of guy, you know. Yeah. And here's Ray Liotta, exactly. you know. He's like <laughs> handsome Ray Liotta playing this little little ratty kind of guy, yeah, you know, rodent. A lot of those guys were small guys. They well, were Italians not, small, yeah, yeah. They were just yeah. short, little, you know, unassuming guys that you right. would never, you right. know, picture could be dangerous. But they're, of yeah. course, you know, yeah. they have that streak. So, yeah. but, so you're looking forward to the new Scorsese? I am I'm very much so. Everybody, um, is. <laughs> yeah. In fact, one of the guys that helps me with the Frank Costello stuff, uh, Mike Mapucci, I'll uh-huh. drop his name there. He's I've come acquainted to him, uh, become good friends. He's actually in there in that movie. So, really? and he was really excited to be able to to film a scene and be in there. So nice. that's kind of cool. Nice. So I can't wait. Yeah, you know any mob movie. If it's bad, I don't care. And just, you know it's his last one. <laughs> oh, man. That's, his, that, that's Scorsese's last mob it, yeah, movie. It's been, it's yeah. been in the works, too, for years. I, mean, yeah. it's, yeah. I'm, 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 I think it's... I don't know if they've finished it or it's still in post-production, but it's... I think it's done. It's, it's done? just they're yeah. going through all yeah. sorts of different Netflix yeah, yeah, yeah. theatrical yeah. release things and right. all this stuff. Right. Um, so, but... I'm sure, you know, it'll be interesting. There's a lot of controversy around it already, as there always is with these, like how factual it is. But, you know, you got to take movies with a grain of salt. Yeah. Yeah. Just just like what you read in print, you should take it with a grain of salt, too. (laughs) So I had a girlfriend uh, one time. She was a poet, but in, in an earlier life, she had been married to a thief. And uh, she saw Goodfellas and she went, oh, yeah. (laughs) i know that guy you know that's uh, yeah yeah. (laughs) i mean he wasn't in the mob but he was in the world sure yeah world you know and it's you know you don't have to be in the mob it's just a lot of the same it's just a lot of the same traits some people just have a propensity for that side of it i like you know uh, (laughs) luckily i'm interested in it but i've never been drawn to i just don't have the 
Well, the, good. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> I'm glad you're not a murderer. You're not, you're not, you're not a murderer. Exactly. Being <laughs> in the music business, you see a lot of uh, questionable people anyway. It's the closest you, know, you need to best, get. The best piece I ever saw about the mob influence in the music, music industry was written by my favorite writer, Nick Totches, mm-hmm. one of the five original rock critics with Chris Gow and Grill Marcus mm-hmm. and, and um, Lester Bangs and right. another guy. Anyway, um, and it was for uh, Vanity Fair, and it was—I don't know—it must have been 15 years ago, but I've never forgotten it. It's one—I wish I—I I wish I still had a copy, which I don't. But it was the best piece I've ever seen on how how the mob influenced the music industry yeah. and how everything that 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 was meaningful to us came through the mob. It's, it's sad <laughs> when you break it down sometimes that way, but you it know, does I kind mean, of you know. It's true. It, I mean, because when I was you know when I was a kid, that that was the dawn of rock and roll. Yeah. And come to find out, <laughs> yeah. Well, all the fun stuff comes out of there. You know, the, the gambling yeah. and the prohibition yeah. and yeah, the, yeah. the yeah. Ra- loud rock and music and the entertainment and, you know, right. the clubs, all that is always the mob guys, you know. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everybody, you think about that out there, okay? Think about that for a couple of days. <laughs> thank you so much for coming in. Hey, thank you for having me. This, this has a been pleasure. fun. A lot of fun. Uh, I wish my voice were better, but what are you going to oh, do? You sound like Frank Costello. It's hey, kind of cool. Thank you. Hey, kind of mobby. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, okay, we're going to play your tune. All right. Thanks. thanks for coming in. All right, man. Thanks a lot, Tom. Keep that secret to the